and Breakfast on 702. Let's walk the talk. Nikki Bush, human potential and parenting expert. Welcome back to Weekend Breakfast. Good morning, Nicholas. So this morning we're going to discuss how to help your kids with sticky notes for the brain. Sure. When I first read that, I, I was you know, thinking about how uh, an infant's head only closes and they have that uh, loose sort of skin <laughs> at the top of the skull. But hey, that's just my dark mind. Dark mind, I suppose. Well, that's where you are in your child's development, you see, Nicholas. You've got a little one. But you see, as your child gets older, uh, they really need to be engaging their working memory. And you're going to send your child off to go down to, say, that go down to your room and pack your books and your netball kit and your ball. And they have to remember when they get down to their room what you actually told them to do. And that is a great example of working memory because it's not long-term memory. It's very much around being able to handle immediate input in the classroom or from their parents and remember what action they have to take. And we're not immune from this problem either. Think about how often you go off to the shops and you tell yourself, don't forget to buy. And of course you forget because it wasn't written down on a list or you can't recall the name of the person who's just been introduced to you at an event. Now I know we're very out of practice because of COVID, but On a normal day pre-COVID, how often were you at an event where you introduced yourself to somebody and vice versa, and then five minutes later you had to introduce your spouse to them, and you couldn't remember the name? So that also, once again, points to working memory. And in the old days, before our cell phones had these incredible memories, we had to remember cell phone numbers, which have got many, many numbers. And the only numbers I actually remember are like my mum and dad's because those were the numbers that I used to punch in. These days, ask me Mm. to phone my children. If I cannot access that number (laughs) on the memory of my phone, I wouldn't have a clue what my children's Mm. cell phone numbers are. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. Without a, a phone memory nowadays, I mean, the only phone number that springs to mind now is my grandmother's old landline. And uh, yeah, it's long since changed and uh, nobody yeah. will, uh, will get through that. But that's incredible because I remember living in Australia as an 18-year-old. And I can still remember the telephone numbers, the landline numbers of all the families I stayed with that year. And that's a long time ago. But that is because when we do something with information, when we use our senses and we do something repetitively over and over and over again using our senses. So phone numbers, in a way, would have been a sense of touch as well as using your visual memory. So visual memory and touch and lots and lots of repetition. But working memory on the whole is more about what's happening immediately in the moment. And therapists and teachers are starting to notice that children's working memory skills are declining at an alarming rate. And some of the causes are things like children are playing far fewer real games and engaging with more on-screen activities. And those on-screen activities continually provide visual and verbal prompts which means that children don't have to pay quite as much active attention in order to remember. So that's the one point. The other one is that there are many distractions in life today. 
There's so much on offer and children have too many choices that distract them from completing the task at hand. That might include channel surfing on TV to flicking from one game on a screen to another on a digital device, which is quite different to going into their room and picking a game off the shelf, sitting down and building a Lego construction or something like that, where they literally picked one item. And then the third point in my list of causes is emotional stress and anxiety about life. And of course, we're living through times that make us all feel anxious because we're all disrupted and nothing is certain. But it can also be caused by family trauma, such as divorce, or maybe a long-term illness of a family member, or financial stress. And this can distract from from the work or the instructions at hand. And it's interesting, you know, when I talk about this point, I think about four years ago when my husband died. And for that first sort of 18 months after his death, my working memory was shot to hell. I actually literally had to write myself lists the night before that said, get up, have a shower, put on your makeup, take your vitamins, eat breakfast. Before I even got onto the stuff that I had to do for the day, I had to tell myself what to do because that, that working memory was just so impaired due to stress and trauma. It's a difficult thing to try and uh, navigate at the best of times. And uh, thank you for being brave and sharing that uh, that story with us, Nikki. I know this is maybe a little bit out, uh, out, uh, out of left field, but I mean, what are the basic things that we can do to try and um, uh, you know, improve our, our kids' working memories? Um, besides the, the, the physical and verbal things that we do, I mean, do you look to dietary things as well? I mean, uh, some people would regard fish as a, a key part of a kid's diet if you want to improve memory. Well, that the omega oils are always cited as important um, for for your brain, uh, for brain functioning. Remember, brain functioning is all about electricity that's moving in and out of the brain and the synapses and the connections that are made. So myelin is that fatty substance that coats the neurological pathways. And the more a neurological pathway is utilized, that's where the word repetition comes in, the more the the body lays down this myelin, this fatty substance in the brain, and the faster that neural network will become, the more effective it will become, which is why in child development um, we need to practice, practice, practice the same thing over again. And any sports woman or man who is good at what they do has done hours and hours of practice. The same with a child who can play a musical instrument. Um, And the same with a child who does uh, very, very well in exams. Usually those are the children who have put in extra hours of study, who've done a done extra examples who've done past papers because they've wired their brain for success. But let's look at younger children for a sec. You know, poor working memory affects things like a child's ability to follow instructions in class as well, not just to remember to go down to your room and pack your books and your netball kit. So if if they can't um, hold on to information that's incoming, so the teacher's talking about, say, a maths problem, and they're giving instructions on how to do things, and your child is having to remember what's being said, process it, and write it down, 
and the teacher's continuing to talk. You know, she goes slowly. She goes step by step according to the average kind of speed of the child in, in the average child in the class. So they're taking in visual information as well as auditory information. And those are the two sources of information input for working memory. And if they can't keep up with that, they fall behind. And I'm sure you can remember at school, maybe studying, you know, being taught long division. And I, maths was not my strong suit. And I used to fall very far behind because I couldn't quite keep it all together. And then dictation. Um, you know, teacher is reading words and they have to write them as the teacher is saying them. Uh, also, while they're writing down the words, they have to remember how to form the individual words. So that brings all sorts of skills to the table. Then there's their ability to do times tables and reading fluency, among other things. So it's really being able to, in essence, grab onto information, hold onto information, for long enough for it to be useful in the short term. And there are some really fun things that we can do to help our children in this regard. So the first one would be playing good old-fashioned card games because you have to remember the rules of the game at the same time as remembering the cards that you've played, those you have in your hand, and even sometimes those that have been played by by other, other players. So there's a lot of different skills at play here. So when we talk about a good old-fashioned card game, just get out an old-fashioned deck of cards. You don't even have to go and buy a special deck of cards. Um, and good old-fashioned rummy, you know, would be a good one where you're collecting a run of, of cards, whether they're all the same number or whether it's a run of two, three, four, five, six. Um, that's a great way to, to utilize the working memory. Then reciting letters and numbers of the car number plates. So use that time when you're in the car to play games with your kids and get them to read out the letters and numbers on the car number plates. And if they're older children and that becomes really easy, then get them to do it backwards because it provides a different challenge to the brain. And then this is the time of year when children are starting to study, study for tests, study for exams. Get your children to teach you after they've been studying. Can they actually come to you and transfer that information, not just they've now read it, they've written it down, they've made mind maps, however it is that your child studies. If they can now come and verbally teach you, that's another layer of learning and they've just tested that short-term working memory and there's more chance then that they're pushing that information into long-term memory because they're doing something else with it. I used to use this with my eldest son, Nicholas, because he was, he didn't like studying and he was very auditory. He would remember things if it was read to him or said to him, but not so much if he had to read it. So it was something that we did often. And to make it more fun, we would even use different accents. So we'd put on a German accent or a French accent and he would teach me and then I would teach him back. So there would be this kind of ping pong of um, teaching each other, which was actually quite amusing and quite fun. And when we did that kind of stuff, it definitely helped him to do better in his tests. I've got a couple more. Can I keep going? 
You keep going, keep, keep going. I'm, I'm not mm. going to guarantee that uh, I actually remember all of these. My memory <laughs> leaves a lot to be I'm desired. To test you. <laughs> and then um, teaching visualization skills is also quite an important one. If you ask your child, say, to lay the table, so you've got a toddler of, say, four years, five years old, uh, or, I mean, a child, not a toddler, um, and you ask them to lay the table for dinner, before they actually get going, because they've done this with you before, you could take a moment to get your child to close their eyes and visualize what has to be at each place setting, so the knife, the fork, the spoon, the placemat, and where they go. And then they've got to work out, there are four people in the family, so how many forks do I need to take to the table? How many knives do I need to take to the table? How many spoons do I need to take? Because you've got to take them from the kitchen to wherever the table is. And that's, that's a good little exercise. And you can also number the instructions that you give your kids. So you can say things like, there are three things you need to pack, or there are four things you need to buy at the shops. In fact, there's a, an interesting exercise that, that I use um, when I don't have a pen and paper handy, and I really am the list queen. I love to write things down, and if I don't write them down, I promise you most of the time I forget to do them. So uh, this one was taught to me recently, and it's actually quite fun. And you say, one bun, um, two shoes, three trees, four doors, five hives, six sticks, etc. And what you do is you visualize say one bun. If I've got three things to remember today, uh, say I've got to remember to pack some keys because my parents are moving into their new house today, I will visualize the keys like a hamburger inside the bun. Um, two shoes means I must pack maybe um, water and dried fruit. So I'll, I'll have two shoes stuffed with a bottle of water and some dried fruit. You get where I'm going with this. So it's visualizing things that are almost a little bit odd because then they may be a little bit more memorable. Well, you've certainly given me a hell of a lot to think about. Uh, like I said before, hopefully I can remember half of the uh, strategies that you've been speaking about. But uh, besides <laughs> jogging our memories and, and, and accentuating our child's uh, memories, you're also uh, talking about uh, a specific toy today, our Miniland dolls. What makes it so uh, special, this, this particular doll? Yes, so Miniland Dolls, this is the uh, toy feature for today. And I have been waiting for these dolls to arrive on our shores. As you may have noted, Nicholas, we have a real shipping problem. It's a global thing uh, with uh, COVID. And toy suppliers around the world have been disrupted. So uh, we are so excited that the Miniland Dolls by Miniland have actually arrived. And they are, they range between 21 centimeter and 38 centimeter dolls in height. And they are really lifelike dolls that are designed to develop social skills that help children to understand the concepts of family, groups, relationship, coexistence, and respect for diversity. Now, what makes them different is that in this range, and they are stunning, there's an African doll, there are Caucasian dolls, Asian, Hispanic, and they've just added children with special needs to the list. There are little dolls that wear glasses. 
there's doll, there are dolls that wear hearing aids. And the latest addition is a gorgeous doll with Down syndrome, which has just won gold and bronze at the Play for Change Awards by the Toys Industries of Europe. And our listeners uh, can go and look at these dolls on nickybush.com under toy reviews. So just in the search window, go toy review and go and look at this gorgeous array of dolls. And each one of these dolls comes in a boy or girl variety. They're anatomically correct. And you can get the Down syndrome doll in any of those African, Caucasian, Asian, Hispanic, and the same with the hearing aid and the glasses. And Miniland dolls really are contributing to a world that's more open, inclusive, and tolerant towards diversity, helping children actually to learn about similarities and differences and promoting empathy and acceptance of people of any race, gender, or condition. So... I love these dolls. The 21 centimeter dolls, the smaller ones, are for the the babies, the 18 year olds, it's at 18 months old or, or even younger. They don't have proper hair, but the 32 centimeter dolls do have proper sewn in hair that can be brushed. All the body parts are movable: the heads, the arms, the legs, and the skins are so soft and smooth, and they smell slightly vanillary. And these babies have very defined features. And as a gift, they are beautifully packaged in recycled board. And it's a gift that would encourage nurturing and imaginative play. And they also have this beautiful collection of accessories and clothes. And these clothes and accessories actually teach children about, the, about some of the, the common everyday things that happen with babies with routine, like bath time and afternoon nap time and going for a walk. So children can identify daily situations and promote their autonomy through self-awareness. So the clothes also have different types of fasteners to stimulate fine motor skills, and they're just beautiful. These are real baby, baby things, and they're from Miniland. They are available on Take-A-Lot and at oliveandcharlie.coza, and the skills that your children develop when, when doing doll play, fantasy play, role play, because... I'm being the mummy, I'm being the daddy. Um, there's nurturing, there's respect for diversity, differences and similarities, social and emotional development, and empathy. And of course, when they're dressing the doll, because dolls are quite tricky to dress. Initially, as a parent, you're going to be doing the dressing and the undressing. But as children get older, they learn to do it. So those fine motor skills are really great. So what I really love is that these lifelike dolls are designed to develop, uh, design, they're designed for the children who are going to play with them. They look like the kids who are actually going to play with them. And that really is a beautiful thing. So 750 Rand approximately for the 32 centimeter doll. And a reminder that they're available at Take A Lot and oliveandcharlie.com. And you can go and look up toy reviews on nickybush.com to see a video as well as look at the photographs of this amazing range yeah i really love the fact that they've made it super inclusive and uh you know mm, we don't need uh, our kids to grow up anymore thinking that uh, barbie's only got one skin tone and hair color correct absolutely nikki bush always a pleasure speaking to her she's our resident human potential and parenting expert talking about how to improve our children's memories and of course also that uh, interesting doll there uh but having a look at it online before the show started today 
I think it's a nice progressive move to uh, try and encapsulate all the different images and identities and uh, uh, people that there are in the world uh, with this range of dolls that are uh, brought to you by Miniland.